So the boss of a big company calls uh, one of his employees. He's having a problem at work. And he calls the employee to speak to the employee. And instead of getting the employee on the phone, a little voice picks up and in a whisper says, Hello? Feeling put out at the inconvenience of having to talk to a youngster, the boss asks, Is your daddy home? Yes, whispered the small voice. May I talk with him? The man asked. No. Wanting to speak with an adult, the boss then asks, Well, is your mommy there? Yes, came the answer. May I talk with her? No. Knowing that it was not very likely that this small child would be left at home alone, the boss then asks if there are any other uh, adults there. Is there anyone there besides you? Asked the boss. Yes, whispered the child. A policeman. Wondering what a cop would be doing at his employee's home, the boss then asks, may I speak with the policeman? No, he's busy. Busy doing what? The boss asks. Talking to daddy and mommy and the fireman. Growing concerned and even a little bit worried at what he had just heard, uh, he then hears a helicopter through the earpiece of the telephone. And he asks, what is that noise? The little voice says, a helicopter. A what? A helicopter. What is going on there? In an odd voice, in, in an odd whispering voice, the child answered, the search team just landed from the helicopter. Alarmed and concerned and more than just a little frustrated, the boss asked, why are they there? And then with a little giggle, the voice said, they're looking for me. <laughs> Every parent's worst nightmare. It's a game we play when we're kids. We play hide-and-seek, right? We like to hide. We play hide-and-seek. Somebody's got to be it. And it has to hide, you know, count 1 to 120, whatever. And they, they look for every, and everybody else goes and hides. We play hide-and-seek as little kids. And it's a fun little game, right? This, this fun little game of hide-and-seek. And, and uh, you know, when we get older, we still like to play hide-and-seek. But it's not a game. No, we play a different kind of hide-and-seek, and it's no game. We, we're talking today about uh, Genesis chapter 3, and we've been talking about Genesis 1 through 3 over the last eight weeks, and uh, we're actually going to finish up next week. I, I think I said last week that we're going to finish up today, and I changed my mind. We're not going to finish up today. We're going to finish up next week. But uh, we're going to talk today about Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 through 13, um, as we continue talking about the rise and fall of us all, and now we are definitely into the fall of us all. After the first sin of Adam and Eve, um, now we're talking about the consequences of sin. Uh, today we're going to talk about three things that sin causes. Um, we're going to grab our Bibles and turn to Genesis 3. We're going to look at verses 8 through 13. Actually, we're going to start in verse 7 and kind of recap what we talked about last week. And we're going to talk about verses 8 through 13 today as we talk about this sermon uh, that I've called Naked and Afraid. Have you ever seen, there's a show on Discovery Channel called Naked and Afraid. Anybody ever seen this show? It's a wild show uh, where they take two people, a man and a woman, and they, they give them nothing. And they literally have nothing. They are literally naked and afraid. They drop them off in the middle of nowhere. Like I saw one in, uh, they dropped them off in the middle of nowhere in Africa. They have to find their own food and eat it. And they are literally, they are allowed to bring one item, like a knife or matches or something. Uh, and they have no clothes. Um, 
They have no food. Uh, they have nothing. And they have to, I think it's like two or three weeks that they're out in the wilderness. And they have to get, they have to complete these challenges. I mean, you talk about Survivor. I mean, that is it. That is Survivor right there. So, uh, the, and the show is called Naked and Afraid <laughs> for a very good reason. The, the only ones with them is this documentary film crew filming them. And these people are terrified. We're talking about being naked and afraid in a different way today, though, as we talk about Adam and Eve um, in Genesis 3, 8 through 13. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, the three things that sin causes today. And so if you grab your Bible, turn to Genesis 3, and then grab your your bulletin and turn to page 3 to the handy-dandy outline. We'll fill in some blanks as we talk about the three things that sin causes. Uh, The first blank on your outline is feelings of shame. Sin causes feelings of shame Look at verse, start at, let's start in verse 7 and look through verse 9. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. This is after they took and ate the fruit. And they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That is in the late evening, uh, early, uh, early evening, late afternoon. Sorry, late afternoon, early evening. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Their eyes were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they had to cover themselves up, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they covered their bodies because they're naked, and they are afraid, and they are ashamed. God comes walking through the garden. And this is something, obviously, that has been done before. Uh, It's pretty clear that that this is something that happened on a regular basis, that God would walk in the garden, and he would talk with Adam, and he would have fellowship with them. And so one day, God comes walking in the garden after they have fallen, after they have sinned, and he comes walking in the garden, and he's looking for them. And I imagine that before this, it's kind of like when dad gets home from work, okay? Or mom gets home from work, and the kids are waiting. And what happens when, when mom or dad gets home from work? Mom's home! Dad's home! Usually if dad's the one at home and mom comes home, it's like, finally, you're here! Thank heavens, you're home. But God comes walking in the garden. And, and, and I, I imagine that it's like a thing where Adam and Eve would just run up to him and, oh, it's so good, our heavenly father's here. It's so good to see you, God. Not this time. Not this time. God comes walking in the garden, and they hear him coming. What if the footstep of God sound like that? What if it's like Jurassic Park? Anyway, sorry, marshmallow. Um, but uh, so God comes walking in the garden, and Adam and Eve are nowhere to be found. And God calls out and says, where are you? Now, it's not that God didn't know. It's not that God didn't know where they were, and it's not that God didn't know what they had done. But he wanted them to confess their sin to him. Adam and Eve were different now. Things were different. They, they saw things differently. They behaved differently. Their eyes were open because of their sinful disobedience. They were ashamed. And they were ashamed of their nakedness. After sin, things changed. Gone was their innocence. Gone was their openness. And it was now replaced by sin and shame. But this story... This is not a story where we can just go, well, yeah, that's about Adam and Eve. No, this is a story about us. This is a story about you and me. It's a story about us. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, you know, it's real easy to point fingers. But in Romans 3, 23, it says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
You know, like I said, it's easy to point fingers at Adam and Eve. They messed everything up. They messed this whole thing up. If it wasn't for Adam and Eve, you know, everything would be fine. It's all their fault. Nope, not just their fault. We have all sinned against God. It's our fault. We mess everything up. That's the reality of the situation is all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We just got done with the Winter Olympics. I think the closing ceremonies are on tonight, correct? And, um, you know, I was thinking about uh, archery. Now, this has nothing to do with the Winter Olympics because that would just be weird. But it's like in the Summer Olympics, they do archery. And what is the, what is the archer's goal? What are they trying to hit? The bullseye. Okay? This is the same idea, this idea in Romans 3.23, is that we have missed the mark. We have missed the bullseye. Many of us, if not all of us, don't even hit the target, let alone the bullseye. We have missed the mark. We have fallen short of the glorious intention that God had for us. We do not measure up to what God's expectations are. We have sinned, and we fall short of the glory of God. And we have all sinned. God created us for intimate fellowship with Him, that we could have this intimate relationship with Him, and we have all sinned against Him. God is holy. We are not. And we can only have fellowship with Him. We can only have fellowship with Him when our sins are forgiven. And that only happens through Jesus Christ. And no matter what your sin is, no matter what sin you've committed, whether it's a sin of thought or word or deed, no matter what your sin is, it can only be forgiven by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And we express our faith in Jesus by believing in Him and repenting from our sin, confessing him, confessing our faith, confessing Him as Lord, and being baptized for the forgiveness of our sins. And then God covers over our shame, and He covers our guilt by the blood of Jesus. He died, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He died to bring us forgiveness, and His blood covers over us. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, He wrote, he has freed us from our sins by his blood. That we are covered in the blood of Jesus and we are freed from our sins by his blood. It is through the blood of Jesus that our sins are covered and our shame is concealed. Our shame is covered. And we can stand confident before God. We can stand confident before God because he has forgiven us and covered our shame and covered our sin. In Galatians 3, 26 and 27, Paul wrote, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. It's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. It's one of my absolute favorite verses because it, it reminds me, it tells me that when God looks at me, He doesn't see me. He doesn't see my faults. He doesn't see my sin. He doesn't see my shame. He doesn't see my nakedness. I don't have to be afraid because I've been baptized into Christ and therefore God has clothed me with Christ so that when God looks at me, he doesn't see me. Who does he see? He sees Jesus. That doesn't mean that I'm perfect. doesn't mean that I don't sin. It means that God doesn't see my sin because God sees his son because he has clothed me with Christ. I am clothed in Jesus. So when God looks at you, if you've been baptized, God doesn't see you. He doesn't see your guilt. He doesn't see your shame. God only sees Jesus, his perfect son. He only sees Christ, the perfect sacrifice for our forgiveness. And He, God forgives our sins. 
And not only does He forgive our sins, this is one of my favorite things in all of Scripture, God forgets our sins. God forgives and God forgets. In Isaiah 43, 25, this is what God said. He says, I am I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. I remembers your sins no more. And then in, in Hebrews 8, 12, the author of Hebrews says something very similar. He says, for I will, he's quoting Jeremiah, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. You see, the one who remembers your sins, let me tell you who remembers your sins. The devil remembers your sins. The enemy remembers your sins. And the enemy accuses you. He is an accuser. And he comes up to you and he says, you remember that time you did this? You remember that time you did that? You remember that thing you said? You remember that sin you committed? You remember that? And you're like, oh, man, I do remember that. It was such a, a terrible mistake. It was such a terrible sin. I never should have told that lie. I never should have. I'll tell you about a lie in just a little bit. I never should have done this thing. I never should have done that thing. I never should have committed this sin. I never should have done this. And you feel so guilty and, and ashamed. And the devil says, what? God doesn't want anything to do with you. How could God forgive that? How could God forget that? And, and you go to God and you say, God, I'm so sorry that I did this. I'm so sorry that I did that. I'm so sorry. And God's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, God, I did this. What are you talking about? Well, God, I committed that sin. What are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. Because when God forgives through his son Jesus by his grace, when God forgives, he promises to forget. I will remember your sins no more. How many of you just got chills? Got chills. It's awesome. That is amazing. That God loves you enough and he loves you so much that he gave up his only son on the cross to die for our sins because without the shedding of blood there can be no forgiveness and he forgives our sins and he remembers them no more. So the next time the devil comes along the next time the accuser comes along and says, you remember that thing you did? Yeah, I did. Well, what would God want to do with you? He wants to save you. Because he forgave me, and he forgot about it. And if God forgot about it, and if he forgave me, I'm going to forgive me, and I'm going to forget about it too. And I'm going to do better, and I'm going to repent, and I'm going to do better next time. So get away from me, devil. Get away from me, devil. If God has washed away your sins, he doesn't hold it against you anymore. You are forgiven by His grace. You are forgiven by His grace. Say it with me. I am forgiven by His grace. Say it. I am forgiven by His grace. God does not hold it against you. He does not hold it against me. God has forgiven our sins, and He remembers them no more. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's what it's all about. So our shame and our nakedness, gone. We are free, and we are forgiven grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise His name. The second blank on your outline. The second thing that sin causes is sin causes fear and hiding. Look at Genesis 3, 10 and 11. Sin causes fear and hiding. Adam answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Adam and Eve were afraid. They were afraid of God. Why? Because they realized what they had done. They realized that they had sinned against God. And now God came to them. 
God comes to them and it's like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to tell? We messed everything up. We sinned. We disobeyed. We're not supposed to eat the fruit. We ate the fruit. The serpent lied to them. The serpent promised them, you will not die. And they found out that the serpent's promise was a lie, an absolute terrible lie. Their eyes were opened. They knew that they were naked. And they disobeyed God. And they knew that they were in trouble. And God knew about it too. He knew that they had sinned. He was not surprised. He was not shocked. You what? Did you eat from the tree? He knew. God is all-knowing. He knows. He knows your sins. He knows my sins. He's not surprised by them. Sean, you did what? I can't. I'm, I'm flabbergasted. God knows my sins. And yet he loves me and forgives me anyway. He's not surprised. He was not surprised. He saw them do it. He saw them eat the fruit. He saw them listen to the serpent. He was not surprised. He was not. He was saddened. They didn't love him enough to obey his command. And what did they do? They ran away and they hid. That's what humans do. It's what you do. It's what I do. It's what I did. Let me tell you a little story about a terrible lie and Domino's Pizza. Not that Domino's Pizza is terrible, but let me tell you about my terrible lie. See, I lied to somebody this week. I lied to my wife. Oh, Sean, how dare you? Lie to that wonderfully sweet woman. Absolutely, you're right. It's a terrible thing to do. I told her that I had an errand to run. And I did. I had an errand to run. I was going to go run an errand. What she didn't know, what I didn't tell her, was that I had gone online to dominoes.com and I ordered two pizzas and some cheese sticks and some garlic sauce and some marinara. It's all very good. I don't know if you've tried the new Domino's yet or not, but it's actually quite delicious. Um, I'm sorry to make you hungry. Uh, we'll be done soon. You can go grab some if you like. But uh, so what I didn't tell her was about my second errand. I told her I have an errand to run, and this is what she asks me. She says, are you going anywhere else? And I said, not that I'm aware of, liar, liar. You are a liar. <laughs> not that I'm aware of. Um, why? Why did I lie? Why did I tell this fib? Why did I <laughs> lie to my wife? I said, I'll tell you why. I was afraid. She's three-quarters of an inch taller than me. She, she's bigger than me, right? No. No, she is three-quarters of an inch taller than me. Ask her. She'll tell you. Um, but I was afraid. I was afraid she'd be mad at me. I was afraid that she'd be mad at me for ordering pizza. And what, let me tell you what I was really afraid of. I was afraid she was going to make me call up Domino's and cancel the order. Uh, Domino's, uh, hi, this is, uh, this is Mr. Cornett. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we got your order. It's in the oven. Pull it out of the oven. It's no, no, no. Don't, don't make the pizza. I'm not coming to get it. And uh, <laughs> we're charging your credit card anyway. See, they're going to charge your credit card. Gotta go with the pizza. Never mind. But why? Why would I lie? Because I was afraid. I was afraid. So I ran to get the pizza. I ran my second errand, uh, my first errand, the original errand, the one I was supposed to do. I ran that errand. And then on the way home, I called up. I said, I have a terrible husband confession to make. She said, what did you do? I said, I'm bringing home pizza, honey. <laughs> she said, what? I said, I'm bringing home pizza. She's like, why would you do that? I said, because I was hungry and I wanted pizza. Why didn't you just tell me? Because I'm an idiot. That's why. Because I'm an idiot. All right? Because I'm a liar and I'm an idiot. So I'm on the way home, and I had to tell her. I had to call her, and I had to tell her. Because if I don't, and I walk in the door with pizza, this stuff just doesn't materialize out of thin air. I can't just walk and say, the pizza fairy dropped off pizza on the front porch. There is no pizza fairy. But wouldn't it be great if there was? <laughs> yeah. So she's going to find out. 
when I walk in with pizza and cheese sticks, she's going to find out. And now I'm in trouble twice because I went and did it, and I lied, and I tried to cover it up. But see, that's what we do. We're human beings. We try, we, we're afraid, and we hide. When we get caught, or even when we don't get caught, we try and hide. We try and hide in fear because we're afraid of, of, of what someone's going to think. We're afraid of what God's going to think. So we try to hide. We try to hide our sin from God. We try to hide the dominoes from God. Can't hide the dominoes from God. He knows. He saw you do it. He saw me do it. He know, we're good, by the way. Everything's fine, okay? We, we're, we're fine. All right? She forgave me, and we're all good. And just in case you're worried. Um, but God knows. He knows about our sin. He knows our sin. He knows where we are. We are not pulling the wool over his eyes. We're not. In 1 John chapter 4, it says that God is love and that perfect love drives out fear. Let me tell you something about God. You do not need to be afraid of God. Now, you need to fear God. Don't get me wrong. You need to fear God. You need to revere God. You need to be in awe of God. You don't have to be afraid of God. You don't need, you don't need to be terrified of God. Yes, God can take you out, but he doesn't. You don't need to be terrified of God. Because what 1 John 4 says is that fear has to do with punishment. God is not out to punish you. Now, when I think about punishment, I think of like, ugh! You know, like it's just a, just a, a wrathful, vengeful, angry, losing your temper kind of punishment. That's not what God does. Now, God, don't get me wrong, God disciplines us. God corrects us. He will discipline us. When we get out of line, God will bring us back. Why? Because God wants what is best for us. God wants us to be more like Jesus. And sometimes the only way to be more like Jesus is through discipline. But God disciplines us because he loves us. He wants what is best for us. And so he says we don't have to be afraid of God. We don't have to be terrified of God because perfect love... God is perfect love, drives out fear. And fear has to do with punishment. God is not out to punish you. To correct, yes. To discipline, yes. But it's because he wants what is best. So we don't have to be terrified of God. We don't have to hide from God. You don't have to hide from him. In fact, we need to do the opposite. We need to confess our sins to God. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-7, through 7, this is what it says. It's up here. This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you. God is light, and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So we have to confess our sins to God, but we don't do that, do we? Third blank on your outline. The shifting of blame. Sin causes the shifting of blame because what we do, we don't confess our sins. Instead, we try to blame somebody else. We'll, we'll shift the blame. Look at Genesis three twelve and 13. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The serpent deceived me and I ate. So rather than admitting what he has done, Adam instead shifts the blame. He passes the buck. And who does he blame? God. He blames God for his sin. Are you kidding me? The audacity of him, the audacity of Adam to blame God 
for his sin. The woman that you gave to me caused me to do this. It's your fault, God. Everything was great. Everything was peachy. Just me and the animals walking around the garden, having a good time. Then you gave me that woman. And so he blames God first, and then he blames his wife. And that woman that you gave me, if I do recall correctly, the woman that you gave me, gave me the fruit and I ate it. Who ate it? I did, but, but it's because you gave me the woman. That's why I ate the fruit, because you gave me the woman. It's your fault, God. And so he shifts the blame to God. And then he talks to Eve. He, he, so he blames Eve, and then God turns to Eve and says, what have you done? God turns to Eve, same thing. It's the serpent's fault. The serpent, she doesn't blame God, but in a way she kind of does. The serpent, you know, the one that you made? That serpent came along and tricked me. So everybody's shifting the blame. Adam is the first one to throw anybody under the proverbial bus. The bus hadn't even been invented yet. There were no buses, and yet Adam throws God and Eve under the bus, and then Eve throws the serpent under the bus. We'll get into that next week as we conclude this series. But we do the same thing. We do the same thing. We shift the blame, right? We're not much better. We make excuses. We'll rationalize our sins. We'll blame everybody else. Watch a talk show. Watch watch Dr. Phil for an hour. Tell me people aren't blaming everybody else. It's my parents' fault. Sorry, Mom and Dad. It's all your fault. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. Blame them for all this, okay? It's all their fault. We'll blame our parents. Or we'll blame our children. It's my kids' fault. They're driving me crazy. It's my spouse's fault. They don't understand me. They don't understand my needs. It's their fault. We'll blame our boss. My boss is a jerk. It's his fault. Or my coworkers are annoying. It's their fault. It's always somebody else's fault. We're always shifting the blame. And it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden because that's where it started. That's what sin causes us to do. Throw people under the bus. And the reality of the situation, let's get it right down to the reality of the situation is we are to blame. Adam does admit, I ate the fruit, but it's not my fault, is what he says. But it is. And see, we did the deed. We committed the crime. We did the sin. Our sins are our own, and we deserve what we, are, what we deserve. We deserve to be punished for them. But God, in his great grace, does not treat us as our sins deserve. In Psalm 103, verse 10, the psalmist says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. That God does not treat us as our sins deserve. Peter says something very similar in 1 Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, Jesus, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Jesus took our sins upon himself when he died on the cross. And our sins died with him. And now we are free. We don't have to shift the blame anymore. We don't have to blame somebody else. Jesus took the blame. He took it on himself. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, this is what we have to do. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. We don't have to hide in fear anymore. We can confess our sins to God the Father. 
We don't have to shift the blame. We can take the blame. It's my, I did it. I, and we can confess our sins. And he was faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That if we will go to him and confess to him, Lord, I am a sinner. That's what that passage means, to confess. I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. That's what it's all about. Now, don't get legalistic, okay? God is not sitting up in heaven on a cloud somewhere, being serenaded by angels, keeping track of your sins. He doesn't have this long laundry list. Well, there's Sean. <laughs> Dominoes, huh? huh? See if he confesses that one. God is not waiting for you to, he, he's not waiting for you to confess. And, and don't get legal, like I said, don't get legalistic where you're like, oh, I've got to confess all my sins. And I did this, and I did that, and I did this. And what if I forget one? Then <laughs> God won't forgive it, right? No, that's not how God works. God is not waiting on you to confess all your sins so that he can forgive you. The passage, 1 John chapter 1, it's all about confessing the fact that we're sinners. It is acknowledging the fact that we are sinners. The word confess means to agree with. See, 1 John chapter 1, God says, you're a sinner. He says, I'm a sinner. You're a sinner, we're all a sinner. He's a sinner, she's a sinner. Wouldn't you like to be a sinner too? No. Thank you, Dr. Pepper commercial. Um, God, it says that we are sinners. And if we confess the fact that we are sinners, if we will agree with him, yes, I am a sinner, and I need your forgiveness, he will forgive our sins. So if he is faithful to forgive, he is just, and he is righteous, and he is waiting on us. And forgiveness is waiting on us. We are guilty. We, we know that. God is faithful, and God is good, and God will forgive us our sins if we will go to him and just say, Father God, I have sinned. Have mercy on me, a sinner. See, I talked at the beginning of the sermon about hide and seek. And I, 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 I said that we play this game as adults. We continue to play the game hide and seek. We try to hide I got news for you. I got good news for you. God is seeking. God is the seeker. And he is seeking after us. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came seeking lost and weary souls. He doesn't wait for you to come to him. He doesn't wait. God didn't wait. All right, well, if they get their act together, then I'll send my son. Or if they come looking for me, then I'll send my son. God reached into history and became a human being. And he came to earth to seek and to save the lost. So if you are a lost and weary soul, I got great news for you. Jesus is looking for you. Jesus is looking for you because he loves you. And he wants to forgive you. And he wants to save you. He is looking for you. He is not coming to punish you. He is not coming to condemn you. He is looking for you because he loves you so much. And he wants to forgive and save you. You do not have to run and hide in fear anymore. You do not have to run. You do not have to hide. You do not have to be afraid. You can come to him just as you are. Even if you are naked and afraid, you can come to him and say, Lord, I am naked and afraid and I need your forgiveness. He will clothe you, and He will calm you. My challenge for you today is to stop hiding. Stop hiding in fear. And the way we do that, 
is to confess the fact that we are sinners and to confess our sins to God. We're going to pray in just a minute. And in my closing prayer today, I'm going to pause for just a few moments for a time of prayerful confession. We don't do this in our churches very much. We don't confess our sins. And we need to. The Bible says we need to confess our sins. It is good to confess our sins. And so we're going to confess our sins to God the Father this morning. We're going to confess the fact that we are sinners. And we are going to rest assured and take comfort in the fact knowing that when we confess our sins, He is faithful and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So what are you struggling with today? Or here's a better question. What are you not struggling with? You know, I find that it's easy to confess the sins I'm struggling with. It's harder to confess the ones that I'm not struggling with. And by not struggling, I mean I'm not even putting up a fight. There's just dogging me, and I'm just, forget it, I'm giving in, that's it, I'm sinning. What are the sins that you're struggling with? What are the sins that you're not struggling with today? It's time to receive God's forgiveness. It's time to confess them and repent of them, to turn away from them, and to receive His forgiveness. It is time to stop blaming everyone else time to admit what we've done, time to come clean before the throne of grace and get a fresh start with God. If you've never accepted God's gracious offer of forgiveness, if you've never accepted this gift by uh, putting your faith in Jesus and, and believing in Him and repenting from your sin and confessing your faith and being baptized, we offer an invitation every Sunday. And we're going to do that in just a few minutes after I pray. We're going to invite you to come forward and, and to say, you know what, I believe in Jesus and I've never been baptized. I want to be baptized today. You can do that today. And, and we offer that invitation every Sunday. Or if you want more information about that, we invite you to sign up for our new members class coming up in a couple weeks. We'd love for you to come and join us and talk about these issues of faith and, and what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a member of GFCC. But we're going to take a few minutes now. We're going to pray. We're going to pray and we're going to confess our sins and our sinfulness to God. And we're going to know and we are going to rest assured and we're going to be comforted by His grace and His love and His forgiveness. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we do thank You that You are a, a righteous, just, holy God who covers over our many sins, that in Your grace and love and forgiveness, You wash us clean. We sin every day. We fall short. We miss the mark. We don't do what we're supposed to, and we do the things we're not. And so, God, at this time, we pause. We confess to you our sins and our sinfulness. Let's do that now. Lord, there isn't a confession that has taken you by surprise this morning. There isn't a confession that has shocked you or surprised you. But rather, you know all of our sins. As David said, they are before us. They are always before us. We see and we know our own sins and our own frailties and our own failures all too well. But you have promised in your word that if we will confess our sins, you will forgive them and remember them no more. We claim cling to that promise today because it is true. Thank you for the grace that saves us, that amazing grace that changes us and makes us more like Jesus. That is my prayer today, that you would help us to do just that, to be more like Jesus. Thank you again for your forgiveness. And we pray that we would experience it, we would feel it, we would know it. In our heart of hearts, you are forgiven. 
Thank you again in Jesus' name.